everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the For the Love podcast. This is Jen Hatmaker, and I am your host. And I love you, and I'm happy that you're here. I love this little series we're in. We decided to do a mini-series called For the Love of Finishing Strong. Because not only are we finishing out 2019, we are finishing out a decade. And so my team and I thought, who can we talk to who really have tools to put in our hands So that we don't just slide out of this decade just with absolute inertia um, bogging us down, but who kind of help us rise up and help us um, reach strong and dig deep and really do this thing well. So obviously my guest today is the perfect person to talk about finishing strong. He is one half of a very inspiring duo. And the moment we landed on this series, I knew I wanted to talk to him. Um, because not only does he talk about this topic often, he has a very specific initiative around finishing strong. So I'm so grateful he made time for it. So you probably have heard of, or know my guest today, my friend, Dave Hollis. I'm a big Dave Hollis fan. I'm deeply on record, having said this many, many times. Um, uh, I just love this dude. Dave is the CEO of the Hollis company, which exists to essentially just help people build meaningful lives. That's really it. Um, he is husband to Rachel, father to their four kids. And so Rachel and Dave together host the podcast Rise Together, which is a huge success. Um, and they just have their hands to a million plows. Uh, they just, uh, so they're putting out so much into the world. Uh, we'll talk about this, but Dave was previously um, the president of distribution for the Walt Disney Company. You might have heard of the Walt Disney Company. Um, he worked there for 17 years, like at a very high executive level, absolutely at the top of his game until poof, he left to apply his experiences to the expansion of the Hollis company. So we're going to talk about a lot of that. Um, Dave and the rest of the Hollis crew live right here in Austin, Texas. Um, where incidentally, if you follow Dave, you know, this, he drives a 1969 Ford Bronco named the incredible Hulk. And he has a mini schnauzer named Jeffrey naturally. And so that's one of many reasons to love Dave. Um, not the least of which is his humor and his warmth. And he's a good friend. Like I've called Dave a few times with either a question or a favor or a need. And a 100% of the time, a hundred times out of a hundred, he's like, yes, absolutely. Here's what I have for you. Here's what I'm sending you. Here's what I can do for you. Um, here's my suggestion. Here's my counsel. Um, just a really good friend behind the scenes, which that's everything to me. Like there's one thing, what it all kind of looks like on the outside, but when you are behind the curtain, who you seem to be in front of it, that is everything to me. And that is absolutely who Dave Hollis is. Uh, guys, this whole hour, I mean, buckle up. There is, there's, there's so much packed in here. It's not just big ideas, but it's like, this is what we do. Like these are action steps. These are ways toward past toward gratitude. These are levers to pull, um, to make meaningful change in your life as you finish out this decade and stare down 2020. I mean, there's a ton a ton, a ton in here. So you are going to be happy that you listen today. You're going to walk away with really some fresh ideas and, um, encouragement and inspiration. And so I am so happy that you are here today and you're going to be too. So you guys welcome to the for the love podcast, my friend, Dave Hollis. I am really, really, really happy to have my friend Dave Hollis on the show today. Hello, sir. 
Hello, my friend, Jen Hatmaker. It's so nice to be here. Say, thank you for saying yes to this. This is a busy season, a busy time. You got a handful of irons in the fire. Um, and so I just, I'm thankful that you're like, sure, let's jump on the internet with headphones on our ears and talk, even though we're 15 miles apart. You know what? I could not, like, if there was a single person that I would rather do this for, I cannot think of them. So real quick, I've already told my listeners, you know, kind of the high level talk points about who you are. And my listeners mostly know Rachel. That's Rachel's how I met you too. She was the front yeah. door to the Dave Hollis world. Um, and Rachel's been on the show. And so I am really excited for my listeners to also know you better because I, you know, just like you so much. Like I've said that behind your back many, many times. Like, I like you, Dave. I dig that about you. Dang yeah, it. I do. And I mean it. Like, I'm like, Dave Hollis is my jam. And <laughs> so I would love for my listeners to hear from you a little bit more about your experience and your story. And frankly, I wonder if the tattoo on your forearm might illuminate a little bit about your ethos in the world and what matters to you and um, kind of what your North Star is. Can you tell us a little bit about that? actually Man. that tattoo, but also just your deal. Like, can you tell us about Dave? For sure. I have a tattoo on my forearm. I do think it's a nice place to start that says a ship is safe in Harbor, yeah. but that's not what ships were built for. I love that. And, quote. Man. I love that quote too. I got it uh, at the beginning of, for me, a big transition, a big journey from who I was to who I needed to be in this world. And I came out of a place that was, with certainty as its primary com commodity, mm -hmm. uh, me showing up in the way that I thought I needed to against the backdrop of traditional masculinity, against the backdrop mm -hmm. of how I was raised by my family of origin and the backdrop of what I thought a good man does and a good husband does. And um, it's not to say that I wasn't you know, good necessarily, but I wasn't being exceptional. And I wasn't uh, avoiding what for me was the biggest fear that I had in my life. And that was not living fully into the potential that was given to me by our creator. And so in the midst of a midlife crisis of sorts, the bridge between 30 and 40 for me was a tricky one. And mm -hmm. I found myself in a traditional entertainment in, in industry job that I'd grown yeah. a, a career for 25 years. And uh, though I had the trappings on the outside of everything that anyone who would listen or look, uh, anyone to the outside thought, man, this guy's got everything that you could totally. want. It looks like life is great. And I was really unhappy and unfulfilled and struggling with why, with everything that I'd acquired or the titles that I had or the status I'd created, uh, it wasn't translating into something that felt more meaningful inside. Mm. And so uh, in June of last year, 2018, my wife and I moved from California to Austin, Texas. I left the Walt Disney Company as the president of distribution after a 17-year yeah. career Dang, to bro. pursue these dreams together, where now we're working every day, hand in hand, at the Hollis Company, trying to put tools into the hands of human beings that if they were to use them, might afford them a better life, a life that helps them stay out of their own way, a life that helps mm. them believe in themselves and, you know, maybe said another way, not believe the lies that has have maybe kept them in their own way. So, yeah. man, I'm excited about how the rest of my life gets to go in a way mm. that the 35 year old version of me could have never, ever imagined. It's great. I want to like funnel down a little bit on the granular level to that because, you know, I've told you this uh, and we're going to get to your book in just a second, but I have endorsed it and I sent it over to you last week or the week before. And in it, I said something that I mean because um, you have admitted uh, often that you were, and even maybe still can be occasionally, but were definitely like a self-help, um, personal development skeptic, uh, yeah. a cynic even, which I, like I told you that draws me to you. Um, just particularly because you have this voice into the community. That's like, I don't know. I mean, some people are wired a little bit more like Rachel, just intrinsically motivated. She was born that way. She was an eight pound baby, intrinsically motivated. You know, that's just <laughs> yeah. the way she was put yeah. together. And so I appreciate your perspective because you come it from a, from a, the side door. And so I would like to hear you talk a little bit more because you, you kind of skipped. I was a Disney exec, 17 years, like humongous, powerful job with absolute guaranteed outcomes. I mean, really, that's just the truth. You, 
Yeah. You just plug the machine in and it just won. It won all the gold medals. Um, and so how did you go? Like, what was it? Was What was the impetus that allowed you to go from that guy to winning, like absolutely slaying, um, to thinking, you know what, I'm going to buy into this thing that I'm not sure about. I'm going to leave all that behind to run a company that helps people live their best lives. I mean, it's a leap. It's and a leap. so I, I would like for you to come down on the ground a little bit more and talk about that process because that is on paper bananas. Yeah. The Walt Disney Company, when I came on board as the head of sales, had just acquired Pixar and then in succession acquired Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm. And so as the person selling movies to movie theaters, convincing movie theaters that they need Star Wars and Avengers movies, as it turned out, was not a thing that required maximum effort. Right. And so in the midst of like really feeling like I wasn't growing and I didn't at the time realize it, but there is this crazy connection between growth and fulfillment. And in the station I was in, I just wasn't being pushed in a way that was having me outside of my comfort zone or certainly requiring me to grow. Hmm. And at the same time, my wife, my Rachel, Uh uh, she goes on this journey. She goes on this journey of personal development where she in having in the, in the, like the stories of basically the building of Girl, Wash Your Face, the book is like she's struggling with anxiety or is yeah. coping negatively with alcohol or doing right. So she's struggling through how to become a better version of herself and finds in her belief in the tools that I have been skeptical to that there's a road, that there's a route that you can, if you put in the work and you surround yourself with resources, can mm. overcome these things that would otherwise be barriers. And so I'm stuck in this funk where I can't see a way forward. I'm unfulfilled. I'm not showing up well for myself in the unfulfillment rather than deal with the way I'm feeling. I'm drinking more than I should. Mm -hmm. I'm disconnecting from my family. And Rachel, all the while, is going to personal development conferences, reading everything she can get her hands on and listening to every podcast. And so it Hmm. really comes to a head in that first chapter of my book where I tell the story of us having the hardest and most important conversation of our relationship, where after we'd been on a vacation, she comes and calls me out and basically says, hey, look, I am on a perpetual pursuit of being better tomorrow than I am today. I am Hmm. a growth wired person and I know for me to be happy, I need to grow every single day. And if you choose to not grow, I don't know that a year from now, we're still going to be going on dates. Two years from now, we'll have anything to talk about, or three years from now, we'll be married. Wow. So I started going to therapy. Therapy was what opened up my eyes to the possibility of self-help being things or personal development being something that I could lean into. I begrudgingly agreed to go to a conference. I started reading books and through the work, realize this connection between growth and fulfillment and realize the only way then that I can be fulfilled, if this is truly the pursuit that I'm on, how can I find happiness? How can I be fulfilled? One of them, one thing was I need to find a way to better tap into the potential I've been given. I've been given Mm. so many gifts and I'm not using them, but two, the tapping into those gifts, they have to happen outside of something that makes me comfortable. And so at the tipping point of my wife's business that she'd been working on for 15 years, She's got this book. It's still in draft form. I mean, unbelievably, hmm. we make this decision to move to Austin before totally. Wash Your Face comes out and then, you know, hang on for your life. But our decision to do this was recognizing, hey, there's something here. There's something hmm. that's going to connect in this thing that she's created, but also there's something in this community and the work that we're doing. Yeah. And it was also foreign to me and was going to be challenging for me that I knew at a minimum I'd be outside of my comfort zone and in right. that space, possibly open for growth, which could lead to fulfillment. So question, when's the last time you slowed down to check in with your mental health? Maybe you've been feeling stuck and think, I really should go talk to someone. But finding the right person, it seems so daunting, and your schedule is so busy, the time does not materialize on your calendar. But you know what? Help can now come to you, thanks to BetterHelp Counseling. So BetterHelp 
can connect you to a licensed therapist or counselor online so you can get help whenever and wherever you need it. You can talk to your counselor via phone, text, chat, video, however it's convenient for you. And your sessions are, of course, absolutely private and secure. And if you don't connect with your counselor, you can easily switch to a new one at no charge at all. I am a huge advocate for counseling and BetterHelp is a really convenient, affordable way to find the help you need today. This is a brave choice. And they're giving my listeners 10% off their first month with the code for the love. So just go to betterhelp.com slash for the love and then use the code for the love and get started right now. Okay, everybody back to the show. So fast forward just a hair and you've lived into this for a while. You've made monumental life and career changes um, to build capacity around this hunch that this is a deal, that this is not just a bunch of hot air. Um, And so here we are today and you have written your first book. Uh, It's called Get Out of Your Own Way. So I, of course, have a copy and I've read it and I endorsed it with great joy. And it's really, really good. And beyond what I, one thing thing that I really like about you, Dave, is that um, your delivery style is so accessible. And so what I want people to know as they're listening today is no matter where you fall on the cynic or cheerleader spectrum, um, this is this is for you, and it's it's super super usable. And so, can you talk a little bit more about the book, um, what it, what it was like to write it, what you're hoping for once it hits the the shelves? All right. Well, to answer the question, I have to actually go backwards because I want okay. to tell you that my initial reaction to reading "Girl Wash Your Face" was absolute terror. Yeah, I love I when was, you tell this. Right. So, so like I was I was certain with. A hundred percent of my being that the book that Rachel wrote when I received it in printed out binder clip fashion was too honest and too transparent that it created exposure for our family, compromised Mm -hmm. the work we'd done on the optics we were creating of everything being great on our side. And I actively worked to try and convince her to not release the book, which is insane. And we wouldn't even be here if I had been successful. But that's how much I thought the book shouldn't be out. And then because of, bless it, the thousands and thousands of letters yeah. that I've been able to read and all of the response mm-hmm. of how that is a tool where helping people feel like they weren't alone in their struggle, I decided to write something that is similar in mm-hmm. that I am also taking 20 lies that I once believed that were keeping me in my own way, but doing so through the lens of somebody, as you said, that was skeptical of these tools, that was yeah. more fixed than growth mindset oriented and mm. who has struggled with motivation every single day, unlike the motivation unicorn, Rachel Hollis. And so I sat down to write my first book thinking, hey, I'm a pretty good communicator. I'm a pretty good writer. I bet I can do this pretty easily. And mm. I'll tell you what, I underestimated the process <laughs> of writing a book. Totally. It, is, it is a difficult task in and of itself, just getting words on page. That's sure. hard, right? When I decided that I wanted to do something and actually do it the way that it had to be done for it to actually have the impact that I hope for, which is really be honest about all of these all of these things, that made it multiples more difficult for me mm-hmm. to write because of my worry of what people might think of me yeah. if they were to really know my struggle. And I can yeah. now see, man, who cares? Like I just I, I am so proud of having written this. And it's still going to be something that certain people are going to be like, I can't believe you said that. But because I was willing to, I think it's part of why it's going to work. Totally. I want to talk more about that exact idea because that's one of my primary gremlins um, is what do people think? I've, I've worked, I've done a ton of work around this uh, because in, in, in just in my work, I can't, that cannot drive me that um, that will either take me out or falsely inflate me one way or another and so um, you talk quite a bit about how we 
just simply must let go of what other people think of us? Why do we have to stop using other people as an excuse, because that is what it is, um, to stall out or to just stop in our tracks or forego what we're really meant and made to do? Well, I mean, I think you have to start with this. And this is a hard thing because ego and your self-worth are so tied to the hope that everyone does actually care about what you're up to. Yep. And the reality is, and this is, man, it's going to hurt somebody's feelings, but hmm. nobody's thinking about you. I mean, just truly <laughs> I 100% like have a gift, be free. No one is thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. And it yep. doesn't like that doesn't indict them as being a bad person. It makes them human. And the humanity of each of us being interested first and foremost in self should be something that gives you the freedom to pursue the calling of your heart without worry of what they're thinking because they aren't. They hmm. just truly aren't. And so That's part good. of what I had to kind of come around to is appreciate that there will be things that I create, including this book, including yeah. our podcasts or any of the yeah. work we do with the Hollis Company that certain people won't like. And it wasn't for them. That's but, good. You know, like the pursuit of impact, a life of impact comes with a with a, with with criticism as just part and parcel of what it means to have impact. And yeah. so often if there are 100 people and we could impact 90 but turn off 10, instead of focusing on the 90 that we impact, we stay focused on the 10 who might be upset by our Always. pursuit that we keep ourselves from even like making a step toward the 90 who could be helped. Yeah. That's, that's cuckoo. Right? That's and so cuckoo. I, I had to really divorce myself from the possibility that someone won't like this book. Someone, not someone, yep. literally thousands yes. and thousands of people will not like this book. And yeah. that's okay. It's just not for yep. them. Yep. That's so great. I love that. That is the healthiest approach and it's so liberating. I think disapproval and disgruntlement is such a deterrent for us. We just think, well, that'll be the worst thing. It'll be the worst thing when people criticize this beautiful thing that I made and it will just hurt my little feelings and maybe it will, but then all that happens because it will, as you noted, there is a 100% chance that that's going to happen about these things that we create and bring forth in the world. And then you um, go to bed and you sleep all night long and you wake up the next day and you're alive. And so So you go, oh, okay. That was that it? Was that the... Was that the end of it? Well, then carry on, everybody. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Keep building what you're building. I want to say this, too, because this was a really important thing for me in the discovery process of producing on a level that I'd never produced before. Hmm. And that is every human, everyone listening, y'all have ways that you handle being triggered right? There are healthy coping mechanisms and there are unhealthy coping mechanisms. And as uh, honest as I've been about drinking as one of my unhealthy coping mechanisms, the, like, I think part of what is interesting in the realness or rawness of this writing is that this book wrote itself in real time as I was, as I was processing some of this experience of writing a book for the first time against the backdrop of not having the best coping mechanisms. I have not had a drink in nine months. I'm super, super proud of the fact that I haven't. Do you know what happened nine months ago? Hmm. I got my first round of edits back from the editors who read the book for the first time. Yeah. But I opened up this document, saw the red and heard the negative self-talk that I was afraid of in starting the project. You're not good enough to write. You don't deserve to do it. You're, you know, if it weren't for Rachel having written this book, Mm, you wouldn't be afforded this. Like all the things that were stories that I told myself now came pouring in. And instead of dealing with those stories, I grabbed more drinks than I had previously to help Mm. smooth out, smooth out the rough edges of a long day. And Mm. when I caught myself like, look, you, it's an if then you can either if you say you want to be a good author, if you say you want to lead this team, if you say you want to show up well for your marriage, if you say you want to be a dad to these kids, then you better introduce some healthier ways of coping when life comes around and disrupts your normal because we're living in a sea of chaos over here. The, the headline is being honest in that through that lens and that context. Right. If you want to create, you will be triggered. So if you're going to create whatever your creation is, if you don't have a healthy sense of how to handle criticism, which is an Mm. inevitability, if you don't have a healthy sense of how to handle the way that you've previously been triggered when you're worried about what they're thinking or how they're judging you or if you're enough, then 
you either have to choose to not create or struggle through the 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 wake of them, yeah. whoever the collective them ends up being. And that's so right. The great thing is, man, I turned my negative coping mechanism of drinking into running. Just to give you a sense of how chaotic things have been, I've run 700 miles on the road <laughs> of right. Texas since, you know, nine months ago. So I yeah. run a lot, but like running for me has been that outlet to process the things that normally previous Dave, old Dave would have numbed out or tried to push down so that yeah. I wouldn't have to deal with it. And so um, part of like the idea of getting out of your way is how can you stay present in the things that are disruptive in your life? So that in that disruption, the way that a muscle builds, you got to break it down, right? If if you want to build the muscle of your life, then when something hard comes up, instead of running from it or muting it or trying to take it out of being a thing you have to think about, find a more constructive way to process it so that in learning from it, you can grow. That's so great. Um, that's a lot of miles. That's a lot of pavement um, but you know, we have a lot of kids and so between our work and our kids, we should probably be running 700 miles a year. That makes sense. That's real. Please raise your hand if you love bra shopping. <laughs> okay. Hard pass. So thank goodness and three cheers for third love who has made for us bra shopping that is quick and painless, and you don't even have to leave your house, which, you know, that's the way I want to live my life. So Third Love has used data points generated by millions of women to create more than 80 cup sizes, you guys, you guys 80, eight zero, including half cup sizes to help you finally find your perfect fit. Their bras are the most comfortable I've ever worn. They have, well, memory foam cups, which are nice, but their straps are the greatest. They don't slip. They don't pinch. And Third Love also stands by their perfect fit promise. So they give you 60 days to wear your new bra. And if you don't love it, you can send it back and get a full refund. And they will wash it and donate that bra to a woman in need, which I love. Win, win, win. So Third Love knows that there really is a perfect bra for everyone. It exists. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash for the love right now to finally find your perfect fitting bra and you'll get 15% off your entire first purchase. So it's Third Love dot com slash for the love for 15% off your first order today. All right, guys, back to our show. So one of the lies that you sort of dismantle in your book is the idea that I am what I do. I want to hear you talk more about this because frankly, we have been taught since we were kids that we very much are, in fact, what we do. That that is how this world works. That's what the, that's what the world values. Um, you know, is is our productivity and what we can do for everybody else, what we are giving to everybody else. And so, um, that is a really lovely disguise, frankly, sometimes um, that I can kind of come up under as my front shield, but. Um, why is I am what I do a bunch of crap? I, I want to hear this from you. And and how, so this series, this podcast series that I have you on, um, it's on finishing strong. So obviously I'm, I have you on because you and Rachel are doing this amazing last 90 days. And so as we, as we are, rather than just slide into entropy here at the end of the year, into slothfulness, into numbing, into excess that's unhealthy, as you just mentioned. Um, how do we honor the goals that we have for ourselves to finish strong and to, to, to reach and to, to stretch, but without becoming enslaved by deriving our worth from all this productivity? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like I approached it as much from the lens of if I have this title, if I have this job, if I make this amount of money, if I like if 
then does it have a correlation in my life for me being a better, wholer, more full version of myself? And I was asking the question through the lens of someone who had achieved a whole bunch of things that conventional society and even my younger self had convinced myself of being what I needed in life to be happy. And I was not. And so then I had to start asking the converse. Okay, if I don't have this title, if I didn't have this status, if, does it in any way take away from my worthiness as a child of God, my worthiness as a human being, my, right? And the answer, of course, was no, it doesn't. Right. And so I've had to really turn the way that I think about any of it, all of it, to uh, I, I said, if then I'm like, I really I'm, I'm sitting in a season right now of if then statements. And so the if then statements for me are if I say I want to have mental health as a priority in my life, then I need to have a calendar that reflects spending time by myself thinking about mm. what I do in journaling or I need yeah. to have an appointment on a calendar with a therapist at this regular amount of time so that I yeah. can process the garbage in my head. If I say that I want to have an exceptional relationship with my wife, then we have to stick to our every Thursday night date night. And I need to, even if it like takes some of the spontaneity out of it, I have put things in my calendar that are as simple as send Ray a text telling her how much you are thinking about her. Like if I say I want to have an exceptional relationship, then the pursuit of my mundane Monday needs to be a reflection of my stated outcome. If I want this, then, right? Now, it doesn't mean that like you can't also be in pursuit of rest, right? It doesn't mean that you also can't be in pursuit of taking a break from the, you know, whatever it might be, because those things are as important as anything. I did something in my attempt to finish strong where I left my family, goodbye family. I left Ray. I went to the desert in Tucson without technology. I deleted Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter from my phone and then told someone on my team to change the passwords. I, I left on Thursday, came back on Sunday. And for those three days, I sat and really just with a pen on a piece of paper with no prompts, I wrote, down on a piece of paper, the things that were inside of my head. And what in, what interestingly happened as I was in the truly the pursuit for me, the intention of the time was, what is the outcome I am hoping for in 2020? What is the outcome I am hoping for? And, and believe me, I started thinking I was writing about one thing. It veered into completely different spaces because of my subconscious. But if then statements was was basically at the cornerstone of it. If I say that I want to, I, I, this, is a, it's, this might not make sense for everyone, but I, I can either continue to tell stories about brokenness, really honestly, mm. and how I got out of my own way, or I can evolve into, and this is going to sound kind of ridiculous, but, or I can evolve into a thought leader, okay? Mm. If, if I want to be a thought leader, then I need to do certain things that, frankly, today, I don't do enough of. I need to read more books. I need to spend more time in personal development conferences. I need to listen to more podcasts. I need to spend more time by myself, right? So then I have to ask, like, okay, I think that's the thing I want. Am I willing to commit and sacrifice the things that would be required to still achieve this thing now that I've really identified the then statements? And I would encourage anyone who's listening, right? You want to finish strong. You got to start by really identifying what your intention for finishing this year is. If your intention is to create the most amount of work or to be the person who's considered for the promotion or to come into Christmas when your family is come together and not drink too much because of not being able to deal with the triggers of your mother-in-law, like just know what your intention is. Set that intention out there. If you want this outcome, then. And yep. then you can really get into the then, right? We, I mean, as one of the things that I wrote down, right, I want to be more connected spiritually. Like, hey, how do I commune with God regularly? I can't hope yeah. to have a good relationship. Yeah. I need to actually be really in my calendar, in my daily routines, in my, like, I picked up a new devotional. Great. I've mm -hmm. got a new devotional habit, right? But when it comes to physical, my physical goals, we have six rise events, a rise run, and I'm doing a 25 city tour for my book. If yeah. I would like, so if 
I'd like to actually affect the lives of the people I interact with when I do all of that work, then I need to commit today to moving my body every single day, even and especially on the days I don't want to. I got to commit to a diet that's going to mm. fuel my body. And right. If I decide, you know what, I don't want to do the working out. I don't want to eat well. I don't want to you know, keep from drinking. Mm. Well, then I have to change my if statement because I can't show up well for those six stages, the run and 25 dates for a book tour if I if the then statements change. So yeah. I, I don't I, I hope that makes sense. But it does. Know, right. If you're grappling right now as a listener with what like, man, I, I'm sick of the grind. OK, change your if statement. Mm. Right. Your if statement. If if I am interested in creating space for me and my family to slow down, then I have yeah. to say no to these things on my calendar. Right. Then I can't be the volunteer who shows up at every school event. Then I have to let go of what my worry of being judged by other moms yeah. for not showing up in this way might mean because in that freedom, you can have the peace that you're looking for. Right. Right. It's like that you can't hold both, though. You can't say that you want to keep every mom happy. By the way, they're not thinking about you. Right. You can't you can't say that you want to keep every mom happy and have peace. That's right. right? You can have Sabbath or the freedom from their opinions. But if you can't if you can't get rid of the first, then you're not going to have the latter. Well, I love that. And it sort of it hangs on this. um, This statement that I've heard you and Rachel say, which is that hope is not a strategy. Um, because I think that is the way a lot of us walk around. Gosh, I just, I kind of hope this piece of my life gets easier. I kind of hope my marriage gets stronger. I sort of hope that my kids and I forge a meaningful connection. I hope that I could maybe have a career change. And these are like deep desires and wishes and sort of dreams in our heads, but that's not a good strategy. (laughs) That just is unfulfilled ideas. Um, And so that is where it's so weird because I know what it sounds like. It sounds like the act of sitting down with a pen in your hand and a notebook paper like 1984 called and just simply deeply fleshing these ideas out, writing them down like, well, big deal. It's weird, though, the impetus that that can become for intention and for a for sort of a way forward and actionable steps like um I I have a quote sitting right here on my desk. It's framed. It's by Henry Nowen. I don't know if you've ever read any of his work, but um, just a really profound spiritual leader. But one thing he said was, uh, I do not yet know what I carry in my heart, but I trust it will emerge as I write. And I oh. have found that to be profoundly true, that something, v- there's a weird alchemy about putting pen to paper, um, putting words on a blank document that allow some of that to manifest. I mean, you have found that to be true. Obviously you and Rachel spend a lot of time telling people to write their stuff down. It's, it's real. And I'll, I'll even take it a step further because one of the favorite practices that we do during the like, Hey, it's Christmas break between Christmas and that first week of new year's is a full calendar audit. And and what's interesting is, like, I was not a person who was religious about this, and Rachel has been crazy about it forever and ever. And now that she's been crazy and I've seen the fruit of my diving into it, I look forward to it. And and the the reality is this. Life is going by so fast. We all have a Mm -hmm. thousand kids and, you know, a million responsibilities that rarely, I mean, rarely do we actually pause life and take a look like week by week, day by day. What did you fill your time with in the trailing 12 months? All right. So like we go through this exercise of what did we actually fill our day with and what in filling our day brought us happiness, brought us joy. Like Mm -hmm. so there's columns, right? What, What brought us joy or happiness? What was a good use of time. Like it was efficient. Yeah. It produced some big idea. It was a like first domino catalyst for something mm. else big inside of the business or our relationship. What else, What was, and what was a poor use of time? Doesn't yeah. mean like it wasn't maybe there, maybe it wasn't like something good that came from it, but that if we were to do it over again, we wouldn't do it again. And then just what is, what were the absolute We thought we had clarity on why we were making this decision at the time, but man, in retrospect, we should not have made that decision. We make that list and then we go through and what inevitably ends up showing up, man, 
we were not as intentional about creating opportunities for joy than we mm. should have. We say wow. that we are in pursuit of a life that is more centered, forget balance, but centered and mm. centeredness has as a piece of it. Lifestyle, the, the thing that we're trying to create lifestyle wise, giving us these moments for Sabbath and, and yeah. peace and reconnecting with our family. We usually don't have enough of those. When we look at the things that we said yes to that were effective and efficient, the question ends up being in 2020, how can you more often when these kinds of opportunities show up, say yes to those. And for the things that are instructive, but man, feel like a waste of time, hmm. use those as blockers for what you are not going to say yes to in 2020 so that you preserve and protect your calendar in a way that's a reflection of the kind of life you say you want to lead. Absolutely. I love that so much. And then it it really does have this accrued effect of just dialing in a little tighter year after year into what you're good at, what brings you a lot of life and joy, um, what energizes you and your community and what works. I mean, it, and it, it's sort of these incremental changes that you learn. And then ultimately that kind of informs your instinct. And so if maybe at the beginning that is just this huge exercise in like, everything's crazy by you do that long enough and then you develop this real discernment as things sort of come into your orbit and because you you know by experience that's going to be a no or that's oh. that's going to be a yes i'm curious i'd like to hear from you a little bit um about your initiative on finishing strong in your community kind of you know the last 90 days what I, just talk to us a little bit about that. Like what motivated you to create the space? This is not your first year to do it. What's your favorite thing that you have heard back or experienced, or maybe like a cool story that, um, that you're hanging on to thinking, yes, this is definitely a good use of our time and influence and encouragement to our community. Right on. Well, I mean, number one, Ray Ray Hollis, she was the creator of and uh, has been leading this charge longer than I have been a partner in its charge. So I want to give her mm -hmm. credit. But the last 90 days, just at its simplest form, is this idea of being intentional in how you approach the last three months of the year, the way that you traditionally attempt to start out the first month of a new year. Yeah. And the idea is, hey, is there some, are there some habits? Is there some discipline? Is there some routine in community that we could commit to that in doing it together might have us ramping into a new year in a way that helps us take off as opposed to, you know, making bad either eating decisions or relational decisions because of what ends up being at Thanksgiving and Christmas, these opportunities for being hyper triggered. And so we have these five to thrive, five things that we as a community are trying to every single day put in as a part of our life, starting each day with gratitude. Mm -hmm. If you go on the hunt for gratitude every day, you will find, you will find evidence it. of it and you will yep. have a life that is full and different because of it. Uh, having half of your body weight in ounces of water every single mm -hmm. day, it sounds crazy, but hydration is super, super important, not just for brain function, but it just helps pump the bad stuff out of your body. So right. drink a ton of water. Uh, moving your body for 30 minutes every single day, which in our community, there are people that are, you know, going couch to 5K. It's a big deal just to say, hey, move your body for 30 minutes. Sure. But move your body, change your mind. This is about yeah. showing yourself the power of body movement as a vehicle to changing your thinking. If you do something that is physically challenging, you will convince yourself on an unconscious, subconscious level that you can do hard things mentally. It will change sure. the way that you think. But more importantly, it'll change the way that you feel. Yeah. Uh, we give up a single category of food that we know we shouldn't be eating. This mm -hmm. isn't about diet. This isn't about restriction. This is about showing yourself the power of keeping a promise to yourself. Yeah. So when you tell yourself, I'm not going to do this for 30 days, it's, we ended up breaking up in three 30 day increments. Mm -hmm. You can, if you commit to something for 30 days, you can commit to doing it for the rest of your life if you choose to. And the power in acknowledging that you are capable of that is mm -hmm. so, so big in pursuing basically any other part of your life. And the last one is getting up an hour earlier so that you can, before the chaos of your day wakes up, before your kids mm -hmm. start ruining everything, like having an hour for yourself to plan your day, to get into devotional, to spend it in meditation, just mm -hmm. have that space to process your life before your life starts processing you. In, in having those five things, 
Those are the five to thrive. And then each week we've had a different theme each week where we're talking through fear or comparison mm-hmm. or the, you know, what the worry of other people or whatever it might be. So um, it's been great. I, the, the feedback from the community has been overwhelming and amazing. Yeah. We've always talked about this idea that you are the five people that you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. whether it's five or more than five. Being in community of like-minded people who believe in hope, who believe in the power of discipline or habits, who believe that searching for gratitude is a thing that'll have you a grateful day, it, it's it's a life changer. It's, it's a difference maker. If you find yourself through the last 90 days of the year around people who are hopeless, who the world's always out to get them, who are unlucky, who want to like talk behind other people's back, it will affect the way that you think and feel. And so part of this was just creating a community of people that we could feel awesome doing life with. Um, and it gives us the energy to go and pursue all the things. So love it. Great. Thank you. Love it. Living a healthy life is far more than just losing weight, right? It's about developing habits that help you feel like your strongest, your most confident self. And I found a partner that guides me and cheers me on. And you've heard me talk about it. It's called Noom. Noom is not a diet. It's just this healthy and easy to stick to way of life. Noom is based in psychology. So it teaches you why you make the choices that you do, like what's under all of this. Um, Plus they arm you with all these tools to start replacing bad entrenched habits with better ones, just really one baby step at a time. Uh, My personal experience with Noom is that it's all these victories in my life that have nothing to do with the scale. That is why this is working for me. I feel so much better in my mind. I feel so much better in my body. I have more energy. I'm developing this muscle memory for confidence because I'm I'm seeing that it is possible to relearn and to begin making good choices for myself in a habitual way. So it's just a game changer for my mindset and then ultimately for my physical health. You can sign up for your absolutely free trial. So go to Noom. It's N-O-O-M. Noom.com slash for the love. So that is N-O-O-M.com slash for the love. Start making those like small manageable changes this very day. Noom.com slash for the love. Okay, guys, back to our show. Okay, one last question, then we're going to land the plane. We are not just closing out a year right now, but a decade, which is just always an interesting time to sort of pause and and take stock. And so uh, I want you to think back to where you were 10 years ago, um, just about to turn the calendar page to 2010. Um, If you could like pick just one thing, one bit of advice that you would go back and give that guy um, staring ahead at the decade that you've just lived through these last 10 years, if you can kind of think of that, Dave, what would you go back if you could pick one thing and tell him? Well, I'm gonna go back to the tattoo because we started there. I mean, 10 years ago, I was beginning my last assignment at the Walt Disney Company. I was the head of sales, the president of distribution for the last seven years of my time at Disney. And um, the first couple of years, man, I was definitely that ship out of the harbor. I was in choppy waters that were bigger than who I was and what my resume necessarily suggested I was capable of. I was thriving, learning and growing in an environment that was really testing and challenging me. And because of that growth, I was fulfilled. And about 10 years ago, my boat came into the harbor. And it in an environment that was no longer challenging because of the acquisition of great content, of me having conquered a learning curve, of me um, believing that I had reached destination because of it having been told to me by the outside world as being worthy and good and of significance, threw a rope around the dock and stayed there at the expense of my ability to grow. And now, guess what? Uh, as much as I do not want to relive the few years of time, certainly between 38 and 42, where I felt like, man, I did not show up as well as myself. I wish that I hadn't made every choice that I made when it came to drinking too much or not being the dad my kids deserve. But I wouldn't 
I wouldn't undo it because of the gift that it created for me in having to persevere through the valley of my own creation, which is the rest of my life. When I was at the bottom of this trench that I'd created for myself, this ditch, Rachel's growing. And I'm, I, I, I'd like to say that I was treading water, but I wasn't, I was dying. Cause I think you're either growing or dying. And I was dying. And in the bottom of that ditch, I can remember throwing my hands in the air and yelling, God, give me a miracle. Give me a miracle. I need a miracle to get out of this. And God looking down to me in the bottom of this ditch saying, you are the miracle. You are the miracle. You have been given every gift. You have been given all of these resources. You have been given a light. Your wife has been dropping breadcrumbs on how to actually reach for a better life. You, sir, you're the miracle. Now act like you are and do the work. And man, it took, you know, it took time. It took a funk. It took a whole bunch of lies that I believe that in now uncovering the truth to those lies, I don't have to be weighed down or I'm free from them. But if you're listening to this and you're stuck, if you're struggling and you're looking for a miracle, you're the miracle. And there are tools and resources that exist right this second. They do not cost money. They are free on the internet. They're in your public library. They're a circle of friends. They're a uh, blank page in a journal that you just need to start writing in, these tools exist. And if there was a thing, again, that I just wish that my 10-year-ago version, my 34-year-old self could have heard, was that my needing those tools, my reaching for those tools, they didn't make me weak. They didn't make me broken. They didn't make me bad. Those tools existed for me to become who I am on this planet right this second having maximum impact, having maximum value, being the dad my kids deserve, showing up well for my wife. It, it, those, those tools existing, they, they exist so that you can grow every single day. And for so long, I thought that my needing to grow was an indictment on not, me not being good as I was, and that was a lie from the devil. So if you're in a ditch and you're hearing this, and you're wondering, where's the miracle? You're the miracle. If you're in any way skeptical of the tools that may exist to help you get out of your own way, to help you get out of this ditch, let go of the lie and start reaching for the help. Because like, don't you, inevitably, you'll come to this conclusion. It may be listening to this podcast today. It may be two years from now. Those will be two wasted years. Because, man, time is one of these commodities that we don't have promise of existing. So come on. The tools exist. You're the miracle. Let's go. This is me. This is my clapping. Come on. I like Clap. it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, it's awesome, Dave. Last question. This is just one that we ask every guest in every series. And you can answer it literally however you want. I mean, it can be like really profound and important or it can be like, the smallest, most ridiculous thing you've ever said in your life. Either way, uh, what is saving your life right now? Well, I'm, I mean, like in real time, having just come off of this experience of creating space so that I can get focus, I, I want to give you a flippant glib answer, but I'm going to tell you like what's saving my life in real time is clarity. Clarity that came because of taking a pause from my totally chaotic every other day of life and allowing the space, the, the, the quiet, the absence of technology to really afford me a chance at that focus of where I'd like to go. Like I, I have the most audacious uh, belief in what I can do on this planet. It's all tied to the gifts that were afforded to me by our creator and I have to, the thing saving my life right now is fully leaning into the utilization of those gifts. And that, that wouldn't be possible. It just couldn't be possible without some, some space, some clarity that comes in the silence of listening and writing and thinking. So in real time, um, I am, I'm on fire for what we're about to do, but I'm also grateful for the blessing that came in the silence on a rock in Tucson, Arizona, right. the last four days. 
Great. Yes. Good for you. Gosh, I'm so happy you had those days. That is, that is just wisdom um, to rotate that into your experience right before you turn into 2020, which by any measure is a super high octane year for you. Yeah. Um, tons of exciting things, the, the fruition of a lot of work that you've done. It's really, really exciting, but it takes a lot of energy and focus. And so good on you for having the wisdom to know I need a minute here. I need a minute here to get my ducks in a row. I'm thrilled about this. And you. And I just believe in you so much. And I'm really proud of the work that you're putting into the world right now and how many people that you and that Rachel and what your combination, this combined effect of the two of you, how many people that you matter to and are inspiring and encouraging and serving. I just... It's really something to watch, Dave. And then way down to the ground, it's just like fun to be your friend. And so thank you for being like this great, not just like guy and dad and husband and and creator, but just like this good person. It's, um, I feel so lucky that we got to know each other and, uh, and now we live in the same town, which is awesome. Um, I, and so I, well, I want to say this too, because I think I'm sure that every person who comes on for the love is basically a friend of yours, or at least believes himself to be a friend. But in the case that not every guest actually finishes by acknowledging how awesome you are, like you are, you are truly a gift in our life. It is a strange thing to run as fast as we are running and to experience some of the things that we are experiencing that are a little bit different. They come with the territory of doing this work and a little bit of the trade-off of personal, you know, becoming public. But um, your wisdom and your friendship, you're like telling us that this is normal or this is okay. Your empathy for, you know, how to handle the mob of internet trolls or whatever it might be is like there's a gift in our friendship that goes beyond traditional, uh, let's just have a good time and have some fun. I want to acknowledge and thank you for that. And um, you are complicit in a very important, humongous chapter of our life. And that Interrupted was the beginning of an adoption journey that ended with my now two-year-old daughter existing in our life. I mean, she's a monster. And honestly, I'm going to see you so that you can experience it. But um, my my family is complete in part because of the influence that that book had on our deciding Mm -hmm. to venture initially into international adoption before foster care and then private. So I want to, I want to say thank, thank you. you. If you're listening, you need to know this, this Jen Hatmaker, she's the real deal. She's just a good <laughs> human being. And she's not just good and decent when she's got a mic in her face. She is good and decent and awesome every other second of the day. Too. Uh, that's nice. Thank you, Dave Hollis. Thank you, Dave Hollis. You are the greatest, and we're excited about your book coming out. So, you know, I'll bang the drum um, once it hits the universe. And um, love you, friend. I love you, too. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Dave. Yes, love that guy. Love that guy. He has put a lot of meaningful tools in my hands. Uh, He and Rachel together, and that have really mattered to me. A few levers that we've pulled that um, release me from some self-imposed anxiety and stress and set me free in a few places um, to do what I do in ways that bring a lot more life, not just to me, to my family and my community. Uh, So I am I'm a believer. So anyway, I'm happy that you were here today. I I hope that this series has meant a little something to you as we wrap up 2019 and we wrap up a decade. Golly, can you guys believe it? Can you even believe it? Um, I want you to know that I love you and I love serving you. And this last decade, um, serving this community Obviously, the podcast community is newer in it, but so many of you um, have been in my world for years, and it is such a joy. It's an 
honor is what it is. It is an honor um, to be a part of your life and to be able to introduce you to friends and leaders and thinkers that I think will mean something to you and companies and vendors and organizations that are um, mattering in this world. Gosh, I just what is this life that I get to do this? And so I want to thank you for being such good and loyal and kind and generous members of this community. I don't deserve you and I know it, um, but I am eternally grateful for all the ways you've invested in my life. And I don't take it for granted ever, not for one second. And I promise you, as we turn the corner into a new decade, my aim is to serve you even better and with greater significance and meaning. That is my goal. And I pray that the things that I put my hand to serves God and serves people and serves this world. So i um, sending you all my love. Thanks for being here today. Hope you love today's show. More to come next week. You guys see you then. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.